My mission is to empower you, whether you're an actor, comedian, or filmmaker, to go after your creative dreams and do what you love. I believe your voice, your spark of passion matters, and your desire to create work on screen is so valuable. Life's too short to not do the thing you love. That's why I created Spark to Screen. Spark to Screen is about how to transform your spark of passion for film, acting, or comedy into successfully creating work your friends, family, or millions can watch on screen. It's about fulfilling your creative dreams and allowing yourself to believe that you are enough. As a mental health therapist, comedian, and actor, I'll share my experience of overcoming limiting beliefs to help empower you to overcome yours because I know you are enough because we all are. We'll also be interviewing people who have experienced success reaching the next level of their entertainment careers. Want to make a movie but don't know how? Want to be on SNL but nervous to take an improv class? How about make a successful YouTube channel? This podcast is for you. I want to help you believe in your dreams and act in alignment with them because it's all possible. Every week, we're going to be talking to people who have experienced success in the entertainment industry to help mine their experience for nuggets of gold to apply to our own lives. I'm going to share the ups and downs of my creative journey, give you that sweet, sweet therapist perspective to help your goals feel healthy and achievable, and top it off with some lighthearted lols. Yes, L-O-L-Z. My name is Emma Bridges. I'm so excited you're here. Hey everyone, welcome to Spark to Screen today. This is a really special episode in that I am finally going to tell you more about the project that I am working on and I have the specialist, most special guest on the podcast today. His name is Adam Filipowitz and he is my writing partner as well as partner in romance and life. He's giggling. Okay, he's right here, you guys. It's weird to intro him when he's right next to you. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like, the reason that I was able to actually take this show and make it a reality. He's my biggest support system, and, like, he he's, like, the person who encourages me to, like, sit down and do the thing, and couldn't do it without him. Um, also, during production... Um, Adam was the camera assistant, so he was there with us on set. He was, like, really heavily involved in the process, and he, he wrote the script with me, too. So he's the co-writer, co-creator of the show. So welcome, Adam Filipowicz. Thanks for having me, Emma. <laughs> I'll also... Oh. I'm delighted to be on the show. Yay. <laughs> I've actually been behind the scenes producing the podcast most of the episodes adam also edits all of these podcasts he is all of the wonderful things <laughs> i should also add that by day adam is a neuroscientist pursuing that, that his phd matter, that doesn't matter <laughs> oh okay okay yeah he's he's boring no i'm just kidding um no just to add to like all your clout and wonderful qualities um so so the whole purpose of this episode today is we are going to do a deep dive into the making of our web series. Totally normal. So Adam's going to help me, um, you know, engage in a conversation with you all about what that has been like so far, where we're at in the journey, and hopefully share some tidbits with you. If you ever had the desire to make a web series, 
um, you had an idea or just think, wow, that would be amazing. I want to share what I have learned with you so far and information about our goals for the project and what this whole thing is about. Yeah, it's pretty awkward to just monologue into a microphone by yourself the whole time. It so is. we thought it would be helpful to have people to or have each other to bounce questions off of. Yes. So here we go. All right. So Emma, what's the the story behind this web series, Totally Normal? Yeah. Well, since it's not released yet, I can't go too into depth. Um, that said, I think a lot of you know that I'm a therapist by day. And mm. I kind of was like, when does the therapist get to be the protagonist <laughs> in a movie or in a story? And I myself... I think like one of the heights of storytelling is episodic television. I love like the hook at the end of the episode where you just can't help but watch the next episode. I feel like, you know, maintaining the audience's interest like over a period where you really get to know these characters in depth in different situations, that was something that really appealed to me. So I was really excited to make a web series because I was like, well, I probably can't make an entire TV show on my own right now. I'd like to start out with something a little smaller, a little more bite-sized. So I decided to make this web series about a therapist. And if you're not sure what a web series is, it's basically... Um, you know, like shorter, more condensed storytelling. It's still episodic, so there's multiple episodes, but each episode is likely going to be 10 minutes or less in length. And we're going to do a whole season one, which is really exciting. That's our goal right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're planning on eight episodes, I think is the, yeah. the final number. Yeah, so, so why this story about a therapist? So when I first started out as a counselor, I was really hopeful. You know, I got into therapy because I had had amazing experiences with therapy myself, dealing with anxiety. And I basically looked at my therapist and I thought, wow, she has it all figured out. I want to be just like her. <laughs> um, so I thought that was really attractive about it. And um, I think I also, you know, I, I'm the type of person where I feel like I really need to be like helping others or contributing to the community. And I wanted that to be a part of my vocation in some way. Um, and so I thought, yeah, I'd love to learn how to become a therapist. Um, so when I started out, I think I was really hopeful. Um, I got a job at a mental health agency fresh out of grad school. and So you went to grad school for your... Master's of Social Work. Yes, yeah. I did. Um, and I got a job right out of grad school an outpatient and I was like oh this is gonna be great I can't wait I mean I was really nervous because I don't think anyone feels like they're ready fresh out of grad school but um I got started and I was immediately taken aback by like how stressed out all my coworkers were um you know I soon learned that because of insurance requirements we were required to work long hours like seeing eight to ten clients a day which is insane so that, i mean that's eight to ten hour work days with no breaks with no breaks if you take yeah. no breaks it yeah it mm -hmm. was crazy you know seeing what my coworkers were going through people were really jaded i mean the clients in that population are have been through a lot of trauma and so 
you know, when you're hearing about this trauma, the therapists are experiencing this vicarious trauma or otherwise known as secondary trauma, which is just from receiving this onslaught of like, just, you know, really intense situations, it really affects you. People start to feel depressed, anxious. I noticed my coworkers were like, some of them were relying heavily on alcohol. Some were like having anxiety attacks. Um, (laughs) And it just, I mean, it's, it's like, who is supporting the mental health providers who are supposed to be supporting the people desperately in need of mental health support? You know, it just was like, I feel like it's an issue not really talked about or kind of unexplored in the media, um, the way in which, you know, providers are supported, which is so important. And it goes beyond just individual self-care. The system is is not supportive of those providers yeah. in many settings. I feel like the classic depiction of a mental health provider is either a well-off white man who has like dark mahogany furniture <laughs> and like has like a doctorate or something that's and this funny like makes people call him doctor <laughs> um or it's someone that's getting like inappropriately involved with their clients to like create like some drama oh yeah there's that show i think it's called gypsy which yeah. is problematic <laughs> in its own way as yeah. well yeah. yes that is so true or i think about like therapists are depicted now to in a lot more shows like well, there's The Sopranos, which is iconic. There's mm. shows like Never Have I Ever and Atypical. Mm. Some of these like coming of age stories where the main characters see a therapist. But even so, oh, and in Good Girls, which I love that show, but I think it's hilarious the depiction of the therapist because the therapist is like having like a romantic relationship with the protagonist, which never should happen (laughs) i'm like i would never that's insane that would what a ridiculous depiction so i'm excited to depict the world you know the show is set in portland so it's a little bit of a a glance into what the therapy world can be like slightly more realistic of course we're going to get some portlandia-esque characters in there it's not it's not a straight it's not straight at all. This <laughs> it is goes a, a little absurd. Yes, this is a dramedy because I feel like I just love comedy. I think comedy opens up people's hearts in a way that's different than, um, you know, a drama. I think people just listen differently when they're laughing. It kind of like creates a chink in the wall. So mm. it's got to be a comedy, you guys. Mm. Yeah, those conditions for the mental health workers. It, almost seems like it's like a mental health factory line where you're just expected to, to <laughs> hit like a certain number of like products. I had a coworker. Yeah. I had a coworker who called it like, oh, I'm off to the mental health factory. Yeah. I mean, he, he was just dripping in sarcasm and he's a wonderful person because I mean, the therapists know what's going on, but there's just that it's the there's system. There's no structures in place to, yeah. to solve those issues. People right would, Someone tried to start a union, but then everyone, the turnover was so fast that it could Mm. never gain traction. Oh, so, yeah. So that first position that you were in, it's kind of like a stepping stone to slightly better conditions later on. So everyone's kind of moving on pretty quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, you know, that's kind of like my experience that inspired writing this story. And... Mm -hmm. 
let's see. But then, so the story, I get to act in the story as the protagonist, as the therapist, and that was such a wonderful experience. That was that was your dream, right? You didn't really care about the writing. You just wanted to have something to act in. <laughs> I, that sounds extremely shallow. <laughs> I do care about the writing. I care about the story. But, I mean, I don't... It's, I don't, not, your, it's not your main passion, though. Yeah, I think acting is my biggest passion for sure. But I do care that the story is high quality and important to mm. tell. And yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Do I want to write a novel? No, I would die. I It's too hard. Mm. But um, I feel like writing, yeah, if we're talking about the pre-production process, writing for me was the hardest. That was the most like pull my hair out. I guess that's so what I, hard. I guess that's what I should say instead of it not being your passion. It was more of a struggle than the acting was it's my biggest growth edge because you know both my parents are writers and i feel like i always grew up being like that's their thing i'm not a writer mm -hmm. ah, ha, ha, ha. yeah your mom wrote children's books and then yeah. your dad is like a famous haiku <laughs> poet yes yes add a haiku poet and a children's book author and you get me <laughs> no but anyway so so the the hardest part, I think, of writing is just the self-judgment. Oh, my gosh. You're staring at a blank page, and, like, the judgment creeps in. And I would go in these spirals where Adam would have to talk me down where I'm like, I can't write. I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't for me because I'd just be, like, stuck or feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, the first things that we wrote were terrible. Like, we still have those very first drafts that we were writing. Hells, yeah. And, like, at the end of the – at it was like a four-day, five-day writing process, and we <clears throat> we had a draft of something, and we were like, oh, this is probably pretty good. Let's sleep on it for a little bit. And we read it back, and we were like, oh, this is unworkable. <laughs> I emerged from a fever dream. It reminds me of that that scene from Parks and Rec where Adam Scott is like, he's been working feverishly on the stop-motion animation, and it's like two mm. seconds long, and he sees it objectively. He's like, what? This, this is what I've been working on. <laughs> I feel like with the writing, it was almost the opposite problem. We threw so much on the page, and most of it was, like, boring, useless <laughs> fluff that just needed to be cut. Yeah. So, so eventually, though, we got to a script that we liked. You know, it was mm -hmm. under 10 pages. We were like, this feels like something we'd be interested in actually producing. I think we could film episode one. Yes. So at that point, um, you know... I, having been working with a business coach, Kathy Heller, um, you know, one of her strategies is like, if you have something, like just reach out and tell people about it. So the biggest thing I did is I just emailed other artists in the community and I said, hey, I'm working on this thing. Um, if you'd like to see it, that would be really cool. You know, do you have any ideas about how to improve upon it? I think I would love to have like a director or someone who's interested in producing or a cinematographer. You know, do you know of anyone like that? That's literally the step that started the whole like snowball. And we were, we originally were just going to shoot it on an iPhone with like some upgrades to the iPhone to make it look a little bit better and like maybe like buy some loft mics or something yeah. ourselves and just like make it really scrappy but then as we started bringing people on like more and more ideas were coming on board more equipment was coming on board yeah yeah and really the first person one of the first people 
um, who came on was Nevada Lacey, who directed it. And she has added so much professionalism to the project. Yeah, and she brought, yeah, she's the one who I can really credit for really elevating it, that we ultimately had a 30-person team working on this project. It sounds crazy when you say it out loud. Yeah. No, I mean... That's cast and crew. Right? That's cast and crew. We had a 30-person team. And we can talk about COVID safety later, but we did a lot, too, to promote safety with all mm. those people. But, um, yeah, she brought so much to the project. Um, so, really, the probably that's my biggest takeaway my biggest piece of advice from this project is that email just if you have an idea just email people and say hey I have this idea or talk to people do you have any way of improving upon it you know I feel like it's a polite way to approach people can say no but some people are going to be like yeah I'd love to actually direct it like more than you could even imagine someone would respond because I mean Nevada and I weren't best friends we had worked together one time on one or two times on two different projects just kind of peripherally but Um, you know I I feel like people didn't even say no they would just like if they didn't want to do it they would just ignore it but then a surprising (laughs) number of people were were interested yeah yeah so that's probably my biggest takeaway for other filmmakers is just ask. Just ask people, do you have ideas for improving yeah. on it? So, yeah, it's a cliche, but it doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah. So um, so we gathered the team pre-production. Oh, my God. I learned so much in pre-production. This like, is our first time doing any of this. I, I literally Googled, like, what is pre-production? Any, any question... <laughs> Any question that we had, we just Googled. Googled GTS. Google that shiz. Yeah. I'm not afraid to Google any question that I have, however stupid it seems. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's almost always an answer out there. Oh, it's crazy. So I just downloaded the checklist. And at first I was like, we can, permits, we can skip that. Mm -hmm. Insurance, we can skip that. You know, there's things that I had no idea you needed. It costs... Oh, I was going to say, I will say there's, when you Google, when you Google shit, there is like a lot of information out there and you do have to sift through what seems to be like relevant information and coming from good sources. So you do have to do a lot of research. It's not just like click on the top result and that's your answer. Yeah. But when you do a, like a big project, you know, there's things like, you know, you have to have people sign location agreements and the cast has to sign agreements. Mm and insurance we insurance was extremely stressful because we were renting equipment mm-hmm. and um you know yeah. we had oh did i mention we had no budget for this <laughs> yeah. i had no budget i was like if there's like if you need to buy a couple things you know i mm-hmm. can buy those couple things but we had zero budget everyone volunteered yeah um, I, I don't know if we've like added up all the numbers but we probably spent less than what Less than, well, including like food, mm-hmm. including food, including everything. Probably less. It was probably like seven hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, less than a thousand, definitely. Yeah, yeah, um, and I mean that that was just so fortunate too. I mean, mm. what were we talking about before now? <laughs> uh, insurance budget. Oh budget. yeah, but insurance can be so expensive, and. Um, if you don't get insurance, you're risking it. Um, oh, and I was going to just add that, you know, we, we do plan to start a fundraising campaign and we do want, intend to back pay the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. That's really important to, to me. 
and us. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's just so much to learn um, in that pre-production process. And, uh, yeah, the biggest thing was, like, we ended up just not getting insurance. We just ended up, you know, risking it. And luckily, everything was fine. Mm -hmm. um, and that ultimately probably saved us, like, mm -hmm. $2,000, which I was not expecting. Yeah. Oh, were, my gosh. There were a few, few scrapes on some of the locations, but... Yeah, the locations we did scrape a couple walls, you know, but so I will have to I will have to pay for that, and that's totally understandable. So, but we were lucky with the locations because since you are a, a therapist, we were able to to get the locations that we needed pretty easily. Yes, absolutely. and then we also just reached out on Facebook for mm -hmm. one location for like a house, and people are people are so willing to just. <laughs> give the, their resources to projects for free i didn't know this person he was like yeah i have a house that fits that description you can film here for free yeah. it was it was a amazing. beautiful house too i will say i was pleasantly surprised like it's very some of the producer tasks are very fun mm -hmm. because <laughs> it's a lot of work to like reach out to people you don't know and this and that but then when you get something and it works out it's like jackpot mm. i found the perfect location mm. not everything worked out like there was no there was a vehicle that we were supposed to get and we weren't able to get it and so we had to improvise with something else oh my god we had this this van that we were supposed to use and mm. everything just it just totally it didn't work out in the end which was a bummer but then the backup solution ended up probably being even better mm -hmm. so it was and amazing was, and that was just somebody stepping up to do like art design on on this car yeah we had a clunker old car and we needed like a hippie van and so someone in the crew was like well i can sort of paint and they just like painted all over the car the day mm. of and it looked beautiful it was unbelievable how that came together mm. i'm sure there's pictures on like your instagram if people are interested in seeing it so what other things did we have to do before we actually started filming we had to i mean yeah, there was a lot more than I expected. <laughs> yeah, a lot more. <laughs> um, I think casting, that was an interesting part of the process. Mm -hmm. We did, this was back when we were feeling safer doing things in person. Um, Pre-Delta. Pre-Delta. So we did casting in person, which was really cool. It was... Um, I feel like as an actor, for me, being on the other side of the table, like having people come in, it's really amazing to me to see, like, well, being in that perspective, like wanting people to do really well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're there, we were there, it was a long day. For some reason, it was deeply tiring. Yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> It was a full day. It was like at least eight hours, right? Of yeah, and like seeing people, and you want to give them your mm -hmm. full attention, mm -hmm. and so just that level of being on. Mm -hmm. And we have to give a shout out and a thank you to the Portland Playhouse who gave, gave us so much of their space and donated that. That was really amazing mm -hmm. for casting and as a location too. For yeah, filming. it was amazing. Um, but yeah, but it, it, I mean, you've gone into so many auditions before and you're like you know the feeling of being anxious and like even nervous. though this is like a, this is a small unpaid role like you still 
Yes. And it was amazing to see, like, of course, I'm just like, it's just me, you guys. Like, come (laughs) on. But you can feel the nervousness of people walking Mm in. Mm -hmm. Um, And you're just rooting for them as soon as they walk through. Yeah, because you want everyone, you want to find the perfect fit, you know. Um, But, yeah, what really stood out to me were the people that were prepared Mm -hmm. and off book. Um, mm-hmm. and so that really just, I mean, I, you hear that a zillion times, but like it really s- sends it home that mm-hmm. that's just, I mean, it really elevates you. And then also even the people who were prepared and off book, sometimes they just weren't the right look for the role. And you hear that so many times too, but there were a few actors who I was was like, wow, we'd be so lucky to work with them. I can picture them as this role in the future or that role in the future. But for this character, they just don't look the part, which Mm. is so interesting. I mean, again, you hear it a zillion times, but that is going to be what I choose to believe from now on when I do not get cast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's true. Guess I just didn't look the part. Yeah. Obviously, I was talented. I think a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the actors that we really liked, we asked them to improvise some lines too, just to like see if they really understood the character. And it was fun just to like see people get into it, even based on the like very few lines of dialogue that we were giving. Yeah. Giving them. Yeah, and so to advertise the auditions, I basically just put it in Facebook groups and reached mm-hmm. out to my network of people. Mm-hmm. So And so many people came out. So many people. So it was so cool. You know, a big takeaway was people want to work on film projects. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. So that was a great feeling. Mm-hmm. For casting, it was, it was just you, me, and then the director, Nevada. Yeah. Just ragtag. That was before we had even like all of the the crew settled, I think. And even then, I mean, deciding who was going to play what was really hard. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. So it's not an easy thing. And um, yeah, I was supposed to go to a friend's birthday party after a day of casting, and I literally oh, could oh, not yeah. pry myself off the couch. I remember that, yeah. I don't know what it was. Anyway, that's probably not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a little note on casting. I think the biggest question mark for me going into it was gear. Like, <laughs> yeah. did you know how we were going to get gear? Did I, I figured it would be a combination of people bringing what they had and then filling in whatever we didn't with rentals. Like I knew rental, like renting from places was a thing. Uh, Luckily, the the crew members that we brought on had some connection, so they were able to, to get gear from people. Highly recommend my, our DP, Tall Paul, Mm -hmm. and he was connected to a local gear rental shop gearhead they gave us an insane discount yeah gearhead was crucial for for making it definitely but we got most of the the lighting equipment from gearhead i think and then yeah and paul had a friend too so couldn't recommend them highly enough if Mm -hmm. you're in the portland area and then as far as like the camera that we used um the t the dp just got a new camera actually so that that worked out it was a uh a Canon R6, so it was pretty decent for 
for filming a, a project of this level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a really ace lighting guy. Like, he was professional, quality lighting guy, Armando. Mm-hmm. Um, he was awesome. And I would say that lighting is probably the thing that really turns it from looking like a home video into like an actual like tv production that is so i i learned that i didn't know that lighting like obviously you know lighting's important but Mm. yeah that was crucial yeah it's really yeah the lighting and then good audio is like the two like major things and he used astera tubes astera that was, I believe that's the name of the brand. Oh, yeah, the tubes that he had. Yeah. yeah. So the the tubes were one thing that he was using. The main thing was like a, a key light, like a, yeah. a softbox mm-hmm. and some LED panels. Yeah. I mean, he had he had all the equipment that he really needed. Yeah. So... We weren't doing any, like, complicated shots. We weren't outside at night or anything, so... Yeah, yeah. So i love that we're getting into the nitty-gritty of like what we used because Mm -hmm. this was something that i would have loved to have known before going into it like i had no idea Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean when we originally were gonna make this we were like maybe just an iphone and like people totally make movies and tv shows and on an iphone like steven soderbergh made multiple uh movies using an iphone 7 so available on netflix yeah um i mean they definitely have a certain look to them they look different than like a dslr or a a video production uh camera Mm -hmm. but it's definitely doable but the lighting and the audio is definitely the things that you need to pay attention to Mm -hmm. that's what i learned at least Mm. uh during my time on set very cool and then what else um props and makeup and all that fun like art stuff mm-hmm. we kind of talked about that already with the car mm-hmm. um but yeah that was definitely crucial too so we brought on yeah. someone to do a role that i had literally never heard of our director in nevada right. was like oh we need an art director mm-hmm. <laughs> which makes sense and, yeah. and i was like so i asked my friend audra white who's also wonderful follow her at cultivated space on instagram she does amazing interior design work incredible and she also does more than just interior design i think her thing is kind of like energetic Mm -hmm. design so she's kind of in the spiritual space as well but i was like she has a beautiful eye and i asked her i was like would you be interested in doing this and i did not know what i was asking it was <laughs> so much work she had to be she was the first person there every morning i think yes. like even before i got there and i was usually the first person and then she was the second or maybe a little bit before last, me yeah and then yeah the last person to leave usually yeah just because she had to be there to to set up the location and then tear everything down at the end and take pictures of since we didn't have like sets that we were using, like we were just using spaces that had been donated, we needed to make sure that everything was back in how we found it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so she was responsible. She just sourced props mm-hmm. and materials from the spaces, from people in the crew. She had zero budget. <laughs> yeah. Bought things and returned them. Um, yeah. What she did was amazing because the spaces looked so beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, she did a great job. Yeah. I mean, what? We didn't buy things and return them. <laughs> I mean, you, you do what you got to do. 
Yep. We had someone um, volunteer to do costumes. Mm -hmm. and she just kind of helped people comb through their wardrobes to find something that would mm -hmm. be a good fit, mm -hmm. which isn't easy, you no. know? No. Yeah. It's, you'd think, oh, people have plenty of clothes for themselves, but it's a whole different thing. What will look good on film? Right. Yeah. It was a real challenge. So kudos yeah. to our costumer. It yeah. It wasn't even like a like crazy thing that we were looking for it was just like everyday clothes for people but yeah Even it, it needed to hard. be yeah it needed to like cohere with what we were mm -hmm. going for like it, it, people need to be wearing like vibrant colors for the most part because mm -hmm. we're making kind of a, a quirky vibrant show so yeah um yeah that's i think that's all I feel so, like there was something. Oh, locations. And for locations, we pretty much we just talked, used personal connections. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit okay. with uh, like searching on Facebook for the house for Dr. Carl. But yeah, your, your personal connections with the therapy offices. It's great if you can write two connections that you already have. Like, mm -hmm. I'm already connected with a therapy office, so yeah, I wrote a show in a therapy office. Yeah, instead of cold calling people. That it works sometimes. was helpful. It works sometimes, but... Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. so I'm... That's pretty, that sums up post-production. Oh, and during... Oh, sorry. That sums up pre-production, but we were also... We also did some rehearsals with the actors in there, too. Mm -hmm. And we Those were, were virtual. We yeah. were doing that virtually okay. just because... Oh, so we didn't talk about, like, the impact of COVID. So... You know, after we did the auditions, the Delta variant started to become more of a thing. So we had to shift things to virtual. So that was sort of an interesting transition, too, to, like, rehearse a scene over Zoom. And what's that going to look like when we're in this space together? Mm -hmm. um, so that was just of note. I think it definitely impacted the filming days because we didn't have the rehearsal days to do like the blocking and mm. the staging and everything so we kind of had to do that on day of filming so that definitely took up more time mm -hmm. so that might be a good transition into the actual film process the the days of filming production yeah. the fun part yeah if you guys listen to this podcast and you haven't listened to the interview with tara johnson mettinger uh in the last episode I highly recommend it because she talks about this idea that, you know, making a film can be a many year process, but everyone associates it with the production phase, but production is like three weeks mm -hmm. and for us, it was six days <laughs> for us. It was six days out of like a whole year of working mm -hmm. on this so far. Mm -hmm. And it was six days probably because we were figuring things out along the way you could probably do the amount of coverage that we had in less than six days yeah i mean we were entirely a team of volunteers yeah. so it, it yeah. i was, think we keep saying that but it bears repeating so. it bears repeating because you know like our sound guy is excellent with sound it's his first film so he's done other sound-related projects, but this was the first film project. So, you know, it's just we're working out the kinks as we go. So that first night, we were 
well, firstly, the energy of being there is so exciting. People come together to create a project, but quite the buzz. Very fun. It was chaotic, I would say. Very chaotic. We thought we would be there until 10 p.m., and we were there until, like, 1.30 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> it was It was probably a mistake to schedule the first day of shooting to start at 5 p.m. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah, we didn't know. In my mind, I was like, max, it'll take one hour to shoot half a page. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, it wasn't really the, like, the shooting itself that took a while. It was just everything leading up to the shooting. Like, and especially since it was the first day, like, we needed to figure out, like, okay, this is how we get into the building. This is how we, like, unload everything. This is where we're going to put everything. This is how, like, we're going to... Yeah. Like set up and this is like the roles that everyone's gonna have like everyone was kind of like feeling each other out still yeah and finding their finding their place on set and then yeah like the the shooting itself was usually pretty quick yeah once everything was set up but then of course like anytime you wanted to uh change the camera angle and like get get more coverage of the scene or get a different angle of the scene like that was a whole another like half an hour of setup at least yeah, because of the experience level of our crew, um, Nevada said it really well. She said, it can either be done inexpensive, well, or fast, and it can be two of those things, but it can't be th- all three of those things. Like, if it's inexpensive and done well, it will be slow to film, or if it's fa- done fast and done well it won't be inexpensive right yeah because that takes like that takes like highly trained people that are gonna, right like you have to pay them and like yeah and then what's the third combination <laughs> it could be done uh it could be done fast and well i think that's what i just said but not in it but that will be expensive oh, yeah, right, and right. then expensive or no cheap and slow slow i need a diagram if it's done cheap and fast then it won't be done well there you go was that worth it (laughs) hopefully that was worth it listener i want to have to edit this so much i want a listener to draw that diagram up it's a venn diagram in my mind and send that to me for the show notes thank you so so we went with the the first option which was inexpensive because there was no a budget of zero dollars but we wanted it to to be good so we we just did it slow yes so that was great so it was a lot of long hours like each day of filming i think was at least 10 hours yeah maybe nine yeah. Up to 12 or 13 hours. I don't on like think one, we did. One day, I we think, was 12 hours. Yeah, but we didn't do 13. No. We tried to s- stick to the SAG rules with breaks and stuff. Yeah. I mean, we might have like been around for 13 just because people were like hanging out afterwards and beforehand. But. And we had a wonderful donation from Hot Lips Pizza. Mm-hmm. They donated pizzas to us every day of filming, which was a huge support, too, that we could offer mm-hmm. food to people. So I know people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I will say I did not want to have pizza again for a while after that, though. <laughs> but I'd always eat Hot Lips Pizza. <laughs> um, so what else about, I mean... 
yeah, what else is there to talk about with the production piece? I mean, how was it to be on set, like, acting? Like, you were so focused on other things. Ha ha! <laughs> that was totally crazy. I mean, you, I really had to be intentional and carve out time in my schedule and set boundaries to be like, I am not available right now as a producer because I am in this other room doing an acting warm-up. Mm. And I don't I don't understand how like big actors that are also directors, like how they even do that. That's crazy to me. I don't understand how people direct and act, but that would be cool to learn. Yeah. I'm I know like Kenneth Branagh like does that in every single movie that he's ever directed. He's also like the star. Yeah. Interesting. Um I wonder if there's like I wonder if the AD is like stepping up a lot. The assistant director is stepping up a lot. I don't know. Um so yeah, as an actor, um yeah, you have to carve out the time to make sure you're doing the work. I think the temptation is to stay in producer mode because there's fear. Um you know, there's fear of, like, what if this happens or what if that happens? And there's that responsibility to everyone. But at a certain point, I just had to surrender it mm-hmm. and just trust. Um, yeah. And then being on the on the crew side, for me, that was my first time on a film set. It was a lot of fun. Like, I learned a lot from, from Paul, the DP. I was the camera assistant um, most of the time. And also just, like other like odd like producer jobs that had to be done mm-hmm. um but yeah it was so much fun like if you get the chance to be on a film set highly recommend it oh really <laughs> yeah just to even if you can just volunteer and like be a, a pa a production assistant hmm. people kept asking adam like so what's your experience in film like do you do improv <laughs> or what's your connection yeah i was like nope nothing (laughs) i wrote it but at the end some people were like you know if you want any camera assistant jobs i know some people adam was great i got to to uh handle the the clapper that was fun yeah can you give us a little sampling of some of that clapper skill no (laughs) come on it'd be like scene 101 alpha take 15 we never went up to take 15 (laughs) (laughs) and then you'd go clap yeah yeah that was awesome so regarding yeah filming i think something that was a challenge was that we filmed the first weekend Mm -hmm. and then you know because we're volunteers we had the week and then we were filming a second weekend and people started dropping like flies yeah i mean not not the main cast and crew like no like actor dropped out or anything but yeah well the main crew yeah i mean our ad our director people were getting like sore throats Mm -hmm. and it's of course scary with covid like what that could mean and people were getting covid testing and everyone was vaccinated um and all the covid tests were negative so it just seems like a cold was going around but mm. even Still so yeah. even so yeah people had to um stay home mm-hmm. until you could get like two confirmed negative tests mm-hmm. yeah so even yeah, um even nevada had to 
to stay home actually for one day of filming and there was a moment where i was like is this show gonna happen <laughs> because yeah. it's like how are we gonna do it without the director there but was... insanely enough well i was gonna say that was like the biggest crisis definitely oh like gosh. not having nevada there not having the director there we were like what are we gonna do because but... I, I was committed it's like this is a new era we have to have a new level of acceptance of if someone's sick they cannot come in even if it's you know a cold like we have to approach it differently Mm -hmm. than we would have in the past and so but yeah luckily technology has advanced enough (laughs) even just like on your phone that you could facetime your director y'all the director facetimed in the whole day and it worked yeah it worked it was amazing i mean it wasn't it wasn't as good as her being there especially on her end i know she was frustrated at times because she couldn't really see like that the, the angles of like what we were seeing it's not like being there in person definitely yeah yeah but we had a we had a pa that was basically her legs her legs and just was walking around with the phone like shout out to Corey yeah. harper oh my god yeah <laughs> amazing <It was laughs> yeah incredible uh yeah so <clears throat> but she was fine it wasn't it wasn't covid it was just a cold or something a sore throat of some sort yeah but it was it was scary for a little bit there. And eventually though, you know, we got through it. She could come back. We filmed and we reached a point where it was finally a wrap. We got everything mm-hmm. we needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got a lot of coverage. We filled up the whole like two terabyte hard drive with coverage. 4K files, they're big. And coverage just means footage. Yeah. Yes. I didn't know what that meant until recently. Killing it. Yeah. I think coverage is like you're getting like you're covering all the like all angles. The angles. And then footage is probably the correct term for the actual like files. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, if if y'all have more questions about that, you can feel free to DM me. Mm-hmm. Happy to answer them. Yeah, so now we're now we're in post production. So. Yeah, we had uh, we did a shot after filming. <laughs> some some lemon cello that my parents had brought back from Italy. Yes, and it was strangely alcoholic. Was not expecting that. I think it's just normally alcoholic like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and yeah, so I mean, it was honestly. How did you feel when we wrapped shooting? <laughs> How did I feel? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you go through like different stages. You're like, oh, thank God it's over. Like, oh, it's over. Mm. Like, oh, I'm happy though. But then like the next day it was like kind of sad because mm. you go through that like that depression that you go through whenever you put something out there into the world and then like you've like been pouring yourself into it and then you're not doing that anymore all of a sudden and it's just like, yeah. yeah. Adam was foreign to the feeling because he oh, didn't that's do not true. he didn't do high school theater, so he didn't know the depression after the show. Closes. I didn't know the <laughs> sh- yeah sure I didn't know the show depression, <laughs> but I knew the depression from like publishing a paper. And then yeah, your your purpose for yeah. that is over. Yeah, and I will say, Adam, I like you really were so committed. You were like you were. You were there earlier than me. You know, mm-hmm. you were getting up 
and I've never seen you with such an intensity of purpose. <laughs> you haven't seen me working before, so a little bit, but like it was it, it was fun to see you in that. Um, I don't know, just like in the way that I know that I can be when I'm in a play where it becomes like all about that and you're like getting there early and like doing the thing in the work, you know, it's an exciting thing to watch you do. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was going out for like early morning, like coffee runs and mm -hmm. like breakfast runs for people. Just it's to, like... fun to be a part of something. Yeah. yeah. Especially after the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, it was, well, not, I mean, we're still in it, but especially with the pandemic. Yeah. Especially with the pandemic. Um, I think it was probably the longest we've been around, like a big group of people like that since the pandemic started. Oh yeah. Big time. Like we've gone on camping trips. Yeah. But yeah, this yeah. was definitely the biggest. Oh, and I'll specify too. We were all masked. We yeah. were all masked. And that second weekend people had to wear N95s or double masks yeah. with medical masks because we were just not effing around and snacking and eating outdoors mm -hmm. so we were trying to be very cautious mm -hmm. yep except for obviously actors when they were filming that's the one thing that you just yeah. you can't shoot a movie wearing mm -hmm. a mask but even then like the actors were wearing their masks as long as they could if they had yes. like makeup on that prevented the mask wearing yeah but yeah um, so yeah. i felt after shooting i felt immense relief <laughs> I yeah. think it's one thing if you're just acting, but when you're producing, it feels like you're juggling porcelain plates. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we did it was like, holy crizap. <laughs> I think we've been swearing on this, so I don't know why you censored yourself there. Yeah, you know, in the hope that one day it'll be a clean podcast. No, I don't know. But, um, holy shiznat. There you go. That, yeah, it was such a good feeling, you guys. It was like, it was just mm. delightful. Yeah. I mean, we went, we went out to the bar afterwards. We were so happy. We were. And Adam and I haven't gone to, it was an outdoor bar. Right, yeah. No, we would never go into an indoor bar right now. Yeah, probably not. Um... So, yeah, I mean, all the hard work pays off, and it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so we're in post-production. We have a trailer already, which is yes. exciting. Go watch it. It's on the Totally Normal Instagram or on Emma's Instagram also. Yes. it's um, You could check out Totally Normal PDX yeah. on Insta. Or Emma Abridged. Emma dot abridged. Emma dot abridged. Um, so we're in post. What is post, you ask? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. I don't know nothing. We, we have all the files. They're, <laughs> they're not in order. They I mean, need to I'm be put of, into order. I'm kind of exaggerating. I mean, um, Tall Paul is editing, which is mm -hmm. wonderful. Um, so while the edit goes on, we are over here planning a fundraising for future episodes, and we're starting to get a budget together, having conversations with people who can give us guidance on how to do that. We're in the writer's room. 
we're writing future episodes Mm -hmm. we're thinking about who can we attach to the show to kind of gather excitement Mm -hmm. from funders um and i'm kind of excited about this i think the idea of fundraising there is a point in my life that would have made me shiver and quake in my (laughs) boots but at this stage in my life i'm kind of excited like it sounds scary you know because it's definitely gonna be in the realm of thousands of dollars yeah i mean it has to be so it sounds like really hard and really exciting to to get that kind of momentum going Mm. I guess it's because I believe in this project. And other people believed in it, too, or they wouldn't have volunteered. So Absolutely. So that's pretty much, I mean, that's like a quick bloop about posts. But there's a, there's, you know, I think the biggest question I get is, where can I watch it? Right, yeah. (laughs) All of our family members are like, oh, where's it going to be? Yeah, and so... That's a to be determined. Mm -hmm. I think we're interested in trying out the festival Mm -hmm. route. And in order Mm -hmm. to do that, we kind of need to keep it private because festivals want to, quote unquote, premiere your Mm -hmm. project. Yeah, Yeah, I think a lot of like indie productions like this, especially when it's your first time, you kind of shoot this as like a proof of concept, Mm -hmm. as like evidence that you can do this you're not just like somebody off the street saying like yeah i want to make a a tv show like this is this is like evidence that you're willing to put in the work we're serious yeah you have the talent um yeah this it was the biggest piece of advice i got being like i want to work in film i want to be an actor Mm -hmm. people said you know show me something Mm -hmm. that you can make yeah yeah, I was watching something just earlier today. It was about screenwriting, but the same thing applies here, where you want to just have samples of your work out there, like floating around um, for people to see, because then they might bring you in for other projects that aren't this project, but are going to be like utilizing what you showed with yeah. your sample. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what this is. Obviously, we want to develop this into a short little series and then eventually distribute it somewhere Mm -hmm. um that's that's the goal but the the most important thing is just to to get something out there to be able to show people yeah and as i have written above my computer do it messy so Mm -hmm. hopefully this is inspiration for you if you have an idea to just send that email, contact that person, whatever it is that mm-hmm. you have a dream of doing because I didn't know at all what would <laughs> go into it, yeah. but it's happening and it's just the messy version. You know, it's not perfect, but it's been so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely feel like a greater sense of purpose and creative passion and satisfaction having started this all right to finish out the show adam and i are going to compete (laughs) to see who can come up with the worst premise for a pilot Mm -hmm. 
This is a very serious competition. You want to do rock, paper, scissors to see who has to go first? Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. We did. We both did scissors, and then Emma did rock, rock and I did scissors. I destroyed. <laughs> All right, Adam, you have to go first. So pitch me your worst pilot idea. All right. How long do I have? <laughs> Thirty. It's an elevator pitch. So between no, entering the elevator think? and getting out the top. How long do I have to think? Well, you edit this, so... It's true. I can give myself as much time as I need. <laughs> can make it seem like it was just right off the top of my head. Yeah. Spontaneous. Yeah. <laughs> um, for some reason... All right. For some reason, I have the idea that it's about this person that wants to fill swimming pools with like weird objects like macaroni and cheese and it's just them going after this dream of filling all all sorts of swimming pools with weird things to jump into what genre is it it's a documentary (laughs) about this person i would watch that and and a community of like-minded people do they achieve their goal? Oh, yeah. They, like, go around. They, like, tour around the country, like, filling people's swimming pools with jelly and <laughs> <laughs> porridge, and cold they porridge. Swim in it? Yeah. I would definitely watch that. <laughs> that sounds really good. Documentary. You'd have to find that true life person. Mm-hmm. It could be, like, a mockumentary, maybe. Wow. It sounds good. I'm into it. Honestly, let's write it. You keep laughing like I'm joking. Um, All right, Emma, what's your idea? <laughs> um, for some reason, I'm thinking about like a self-help guru fires her maid in a scandal because she thinks that her maid is stealing her jewelry when in reality her husband is stealing her jewelry to give to his mistress oh so it's like an intrigue like drama she has a large social media following and she posts on a instagram live about how she fires her maid and she gives this kind of entitled speech about how she's entitled to this woman cleaning her house maybe this sounds like someone people have heard of and the whole story is centered around the woe is me tale of this white woman being persecuted mm-hmm. for firing mm-hmm. her maid. Is the show playing it straight in that? Like, we're supposed to be yes, sympathetic. Yes, we're supposed to be sympathetic. <laughs> like, like she's not. She's not an like, anti-hero type. She's like. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to sympathize with her. All right. Yeah, just taking all of the, the opposite of like all of the current trends in society. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say that's the opposite. I mean, a lot of people would feel that way. I do feel like 
there might be a show like that like, <laughs> on no i'm saying like i could see that show being on like netflix as like it's like one of those like bad shows that you see on netflix sometimes you're like how did this this was produced <laughs> by netflix i thought they made good things usually all right now let's rate each other's bad movie or let's rate each other's bad pilots on the scale of um repulsive to would totally watch <laughs> i think yours is more repulsive just because i hate <laughs> i hate that character so much but i think i think that idea could be tweaked a little bit and she could be like the antagonist or the anti-hero that you're following around mm-hmm. and then there's like some other protagonist yeah. that you write in like maybe the maybe the the maid or whatever is the protagonist um like it could be like a breaking bad type situation oh that'd be interesting i'm gonna give yours um i'm gonna give yours like i'm gonna rate it a dorito so it's like they would they would not jump into a swimming pool of doritos that's way too sharp I don't think Dorito is the right word. I'm trying to think of something that is like, oh yeah. Talk okay. It. No. Okay. I would rate your show idea a Dorito. I could take it or leave it. Wow. I feel like that's worse. That's worse feedback than being like, I'm repulsed by your idea. <laughs> you don't want to just have like middling. <laughs> Well, to be honest, I would totally watch that show, but I didn't want to rate you so poorly. <laughs> All right. Are we done here? <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening to Spark to Screen, and thank you to my guest, Adam Filipowicz. And also, he's my sweet, sweet boyfriend. So thank you for being here. Love you. Um, as always, you can follow me on Instagram as emma.abridged. I would love for you to DM me if anyone actually made that Venn diagram that I was talking about, um, and I'll be happy to share it. If that made it into the show. (laughs) Um, if you have any questions that you'd like me to answer about the process of going from having no idea what you're doing to making some sort of film project, DM me. I'm happy to talk to you. Um, Other than that, I'm signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye.